0: Since we have the children here with us this morning, I want to focus a lot of my comments toward them. And kids, at the outset here, I want to talk to you for a moment about symbols. Symbols. Now, I'm not talking about that metal musical instrument that we bang together real loud, the kind that if you play it in the house probably makes your folks go crazy. The kind of symbol I'm talking about is an object, it's a thing that takes on special meaning. For example, this time of year, if you see a carved pumpkin, you probably think about trick-or-treats. If you see a beautiful turkey on the table, you're thinking about Thanksgiving dinner. If you see an evergreen tree that's decorated with twinkling lights, you think about Christmas and Christmas presents. You see, at certain times of year, very ordinary things, ordinary things like a pumpkin or a turkey or a tree, those things can take on special meaning. And that's because they become symbols. They represent something special. And God made you and God made me in such a way that we like symbols and we understand symbols and we respond to symbols. And Jesus knows that about us. And He had that in mind when He gave us a very simple meal that we call communion. It's a meal with two simple, special symbols some bread and a cup of juice. Now, bread and juice are pretty plain. If we have them as part of our breakfast, then it's just part of the meal. If we have them in the afternoon, they're just a snack. However, when we eat the bread and drink from the cup during worship, these things become more than ordinary food. The bread and the juice become symbols. They become communion which is a meal full of special meaning. Jesus gave us this very symbolic meal on the last night of his life, and the scene is recorded for us in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 26 to 30. And Dylan Lees now is going to come and read that Bible passage for us. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew, With you and my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Thank you very much, Dylan. Now, a bit later in the service, we're going to enjoy communion together. And before we do, we want to talk a bit about what these symbols of communion mean. Every week we come in and we take communion, we see the bread, we see the juice. What is it that Jesus wants us to see when we look at those things? I believe he wants us to see three things. His death, our forgiveness, and new life. And all three of those things are present in that Bible passage Dylan just read, and we want to take a little closer look at them. So let's look again at what Dylan just read. Now as we see here in verse 26, Jesus and his closest friends are having a meal. And they're sitting around a table. We can visualize them just enjoying the good food and the good conversation. But did you notice something as Dylan was reading that passage, and as we see here on the screen, that Jesus gives thanks? Whenever Jesus eats or drinks, he always gives thanks. You see, he doesn't take food for granted, he knows that it's a blessing, he knows that it's a gift from God. And that's why we should give thanks when we eat. Whenever we give thanks for our food, we're simply trying to follow the example of Jesus and to remember to say, thank you to God for the food that we get to eat, the things that we get to drink and enjoy. Now, as we can see here in this passage, this is more than just a normal meal because Jesus does more than simply give thanks. He gives the bread and the cup new meaning. He says that the bread now represents his body and the juice in the cup now represents his blood. And in that moment, he's taken two simple, ordinary items and he's transformed them into symbols. Symbols of his death. Now, why is Jesus saying this? Why is is he doing this with the bread and the juice? It's because the very next day he's going to die on a cross. And his death, symbolized by bread and juice, comes with a very special promise for each of us. Jesus calls it a covenant here in verse 28. And in the Bible, a covenant covenant is a special promise or special agreement between God and people. And in this case, the promise from God is forgiveness. Jesus is promising us that his death means that we, now have a way to be forgiven by God. Forgiveness, of course, is related to punishment and consequences. We only need forgiveness when we've messed up. Now I would bet many of you kids have various rules in your home about your behavior. Family rules about things you're supposed to do and not do. And I imagine that many of you, if you mess up, you're going to face some consequences. Now, depending upon your family, that could be something like a timeout, or you might get spanked, or maybe you're going to lose some privileges. We get consequences to remind us of the seriousness of doing the wrong thing. And when we understand that, then we have the freedom to apologize. And if we apologize to the person that we've done something wrong to, then hopefully they'll forgive us. Now, that's not not always easy to do just between ourselves as people. How does that work with God? How do we get forgiven by God? How does He choose to forgive us when we've behaved in ways that disappoint Him or even are disobedient? And what Jesus is telling us here in this Bible passage is that He takes care of that for us. He's telling His friends, I am going to take the consequences for you so that you will be forgiven. And this is a covenant, a promise from God. And when we really think about it, it's absolutely amazing. On the cross, Jesus takes punishment that you and I actually deserve. Now let's try to think about this from our own perspective by maybe putting it into a picture of how it might work in our own life to take the punishment for somebody else. Let's suppose that you have a brother And your brother has gotten into a lot of trouble because he's told a really bad lie. Now, there's consequences for doing bad things. So your mom and dad decide to punish him. In this case, they decide to punish him by sending him to bed without dinner. And it was going to be a really great dinner. Pizza and ice cream. And your brother, because of his punishment, is going to miss out. Now, you love your brother a lot, and the thought of him not being able to enjoy along with you that special dinner makes you very sad. In fact, it makes you so sad that you decide you're willing to take his place. So you say to your mom or dad, don't don't punish him. Punish me instead. I want him to enjoy the pizza and ice cream, and I'll be the one to go to my bed without dinner. I think that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. None of us likes getting punished. None of us likes taking consequences, even when we know it's our fault. But why would you want to get punished for your brother's mistakes? You don't deserve the consequences. He does. And so there's a sense in which it's not fair. But that's exactly what Jesus does for us. He dies in our place, taking the consequences we deserve so that we can be forgiven and experience all of the good things that God has for us. Why would Jesus do something so radical? It's because He loves us. And because He loves us, He takes our consequences. He takes our consequences so we can be forgiven. And that is a great and amazing gift from God. And yet there's even more to this gift More than even forgiveness, because Jesus gives us another promise. He promises that we're going to be with Him forever. When this life is over, there's a new life waiting for us in heaven with Jesus. And that's what He talks to His friends about next as we continue on in this passage. Jesus says, I tell you I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now what's going to happen after this dinner is Jesus is going to go to the cross the next day. He's going to rise from the grave and return to life and then he is ultimately going to return to his heavenly Father and be back in heaven. And based on what he says here in verse 29, there's something that Jesus isn't going to do in heaven. He's not going to drink from the cup again until all of his friends have joined him." And so he's talking about a big celebration that's going to take place in the future. We know from other parts of the Bible that there's going to be a great feast one day with Jesus. And so when we read about this last meal, this final meal that Jesus has with his friends, what it is, it's really sort of a sneak preview of coming attractions. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you go to the movies a lot. I don't go a lot, but when I do, I love to go early because I love to see all of the previews of what's coming up. I get kind of excited about, oh, there's a picture I need to see. I really don't want to miss that movie. Maybe you're like that as well. Well, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's giving us a preview of what you and I get to look forward to. And we don't know when it's going to happen, but sometime in the future, God is going to remake everything in our world. He's going to create a whole new kingdom for us to live in with a new heaven and a new earth. And when that happens, Jesus says, there's going to be another meal. And it'll have juice and bread and so much more. It will be a great feast. And it will be better than Thanksgiving. It will be better than Christmas. It will be better than anything that we've ever known or experienced or even can imagine. And everyone who loves Jesus will be there. Jesus says, that's what I'm going to drink from the cup again. You see, he's just waiting for us. He's waiting till we all join him in heaven. He's waiting until we're enjoying together the new life that he's promised for us in God's new kingdom. And that's when we all get to eat and drink and celebrate. So each time we come to communion, it's an opportunity for us to remember what these symbols are of the bread and the cup mean? They mean that Jesus died so we could be forgiven and have the promise of new life in the kingdom of God, a kingdom that's going to last forever. These symbols remind us to be thankful to God for who Jesus is, to be thankful for what He's done for us, and to be able to be thankful for for the fact that we can live with hope for the future. That is what God has promised us. That's what communion means. Let's pray.